Now, as we go to where 128 fires are burning in New South Wales, most of them at advice level, but we do have four at Watch and Act Alert in New South Wales. And I'm updating it on the RFS website because you never know at this stage of the day when they're going to pop up again. But at this stage, it's still four. The Duns Road, East Orney Creek, Yellow Bog Road and Green Valley fires, they're all down near the Snowy Mountains. And it is a horrible feeling knowing that they could spread this afternoon. And we spoke to Rob Rogers, the Deputy Commissioner of the New South Wales RFS earlier and he mentioned that that Victoria New South Wales border area is a big concern he said to us that they're pretty much already joining I think the quote was probably actually even joining now yeah we asked him because there were the fires on the New South Wales and Victorian border right before we came on air were about two kilometers apart and he actually confirmed in our interview he said I think they're probably already joining which is terrifying so it has formed this mega blaze now just right there on the border so I think it covers something like is it half a million hectares or something something terrifying like that. Yeah, it is half a million hectares. And we've also got the south coast and, of course, south of the Blue Mountains, the Wingelow area. That's an issue as well. We'll keep an eye on New South Wales throughout the afternoon. But Victoria, also big concerns there today. The state of disaster has been extended. Last I looked, two emergency level fires in the Alpine region and also East Gippsland. There are evacuation warnings in place and the Premier, Daniel Andrews, has been urging everyone to follow those. On the line is Veterans of Affairs Minister and Member for Gippsland, Darren Chester. Minister, thank you so much for your time and for all your updates. You've been doing a great job on social media, giving us a lot of information about East Gippsland. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. I thought we had an agreement that I'd keep my fires on my side of the border and keep yours on your side. <laughs> uh, well, oh, goodness, it's, uh, it's been a, a huge event, obviously, and we just really feel for people right now who are still in, in the way of these fires. We've got um, quite a few little communities in my area still. Uh, likely impacted today. I, I just got out of the incident control centre and a couple of Australian Defence Force fellows that are here were telling me they've got a Chinook in the air right now about to do an evacuation from a little place called Combined Bar. So uh, hopefully that'll go well. But uh, generally the, the people in my community have been making really good decisions. They've, they've listened to the warnings. They've got themselves out of harm's way. And uh, we've you know been, I think, fortunate to some extent that they haven't had enormous uh, property losses compared to what was at risk. We've had more than 100 homes, obviously, but at times there, we thought we were going to lose a lot more than that. So we've got to keep on working uh, working with each other and, and keeping people safe on, on these really difficult, hot, windy days. How do you balance the recovery effort for people who have already been affected with trying to prepare for another high-danger day like today? That's the really difficult and most complex part, I think, of this whole uh, situation here in East Gippsland. We've got people who you know lost their homes or had damaged fences who want to get back in there and contain their stock and start the process of, of cleaning up. But we've still got active fire in the in the landscape and other parts of the region, so we've got to get the resourcing right. So we had a few uh, quite calm days this week. There was a little bit of, little bit of rain, a little bit of fog about, funnily enough. And we had one day it was 13 degrees, which was quite bizarre. Little people putting their heaters on, but now it's uh, back to 37. So on those calmer days, we've been doing a lot of preparation. So the agency's been working hard to contain the fires and, and uh, build up the defences around our little towns. And people have been able to get into clearing roads and, and safely getting back to their properties. So that's occurring. But today. Uh, the effort's all about the fire that's still active. So the, the Australian Defence Force people here today have pulled out of the bush. They're not out there on the tracks doing any clearing today. They're back in town having a bit of uh, rest and recovery and probably repairing a bit of equipment, that type of thing, and getting ready for what we hope will be a cooler couple of days coming up. So it is a, it is a 
you know, a complex operation because you have both things happening at the same time and, we, and personal safety's got to be our priority. We, you know, in the past, we've lost lives during recovery. We've lost lives through trees falling during recovery. We don't want that to happen here. Minister, this time yesterday we spoke to the head of the ADF operation and he said about 1,600 reserves had been rolled out and deployed across Victoria and South Australia and New South Wales. Question without notice, any idea if that's been stepped up again? Does it, does it feel like it on the ground? Oh, we certainly had a, a surge of uh, army personnel here this week. So I was out at uh, Orbost, I think it was yesterday now. I was out there and about 150 uh, uh, people on the ground there who are helping with the road clearing. And, and again, we've got a lot of quite small isolated communities here. So when the little roads get clogged up with trees and they're, they're sort of trapped in there. So uh, helping clear those roads is a real priority for us. Those, those arteries of community life is getting people to be able to move about their community safely on those roads. So they're going to do some power of work there for us. Um, We've had, obviously, the most spectacular evacuation I've ever seen in my lifetime from the coast of Malacuta with uh, the naval vessels taking people to safety. From, and that was, uh, again, an operation that was done with complete safety. There was no injuries. It was uh, successfully done. And I've had the um, Air Force working flat out as well for us here, dropping supplies into various places. So, you know, it's been, it's been a big operation. Well beyond the capacity of my community without the Australian Defence Forces help, we wouldn't have been able to do this without them. And uh, we're, we're very thankful for that. How's the spirit there at the moment? Are people still showing all that resilience that you've spoken about over the last few weeks or is it starting to wear down on people a little bit? Oh, look, no doubt there's fatigue. I mean, people are waking up, you know, a lot of, on a lot of mornings with you know, smoke in their homes and just it's intruding their lives and they, and, it's, 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 uh, uh, and the threat of fire in some of the small communities is something that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of energy to deal with. But overwhelmingly the um, spirit has been very positive. I mean, the fact that we had to ask people to stop donating food and clothing because we had too much is a pretty good indication of the generosity of the community. So uh, we're asking people that if they want to make a donation to go to the Gippsland Emergency Relief Fund and that money goes directly to local people who've lost their homes. So that's going well. I mean, the, I've been out on the ground and, and met with people who've lost their homes and uh, they're, uh, you know, they're looking at how quickly they can get back in and rebuild when it's safe to do so. Uh, meeting with the local shire about what infrastructure they've lost. They've lost quite a few timber bridges and some other public infrastructure we need to get on top of as quickly as we can. Uh, and then I, I don't know if people quite understand here in Gippsland, a lot of the land that's burnt has been public land, so a lot of national park and state reserves. So it's hard to know exactly what assets are in there in terms of you know a walking trail, lookouts, all these sorts of things, but they'll take some time to evaluate the damage there as well. So... You know, it'll, it'll be a couple of years to get on top of it once we get these fires under control. It'll be a couple of years before we get the full recovery done. Does it surprise you that we don't have access to that information? Shouldn't national parks be able to say these are the access roads, these are cleared, or do you have the same situation down there as we do here? Well, the, the situation is that a lot of those areas right now, it's not safe to get into, so that, that no one's been in there yet to check out what okay. damage has been done. And just because an area is sort of marked on the map as having been burnt, it doesn't mean it's 100% burnt. So I've been to a lot of little valleys and places over the last, uh, three or four days where the fire's gone through and, and taken homes, and that's an absolute tragedy for people involved, but it's spared the house next door. So you might uh, have parts of the area burnt, not the whole area, but on the map it looks like the whole thing's been burnt. So, that, that, so that's why there's still so much active fire in the environment. The fire can get up again as the wind blows, and uh, we can have a fire burning over old ground almost. So the threat's still there for a lot of people. Of, uh, you know, stray embers still getting back into an area that was burnt you know, three or four days ago. So the vigilance required is, is the one that I guess you, you mentioned before about the energy in the community. Vigilance is what's uh, so tiring for people to be up and about checking all the time for embers and that type of thing. 
Can I also ask you, you mentioned, of course, the support that the general public's giving by donating, but when you look at the disaster recovery payment, I was reading that it's still 1000 per adult, 400 per child, and that's what it was when it was introduced back in 2006. Would the federal government consider raising that disaster recovery payment given the rate of inflation and, and how far things have come since 2006? Oh, well, I think that's a good point. It has, that's never been put to me before. I, I'm aware that what I'm trying to do in my office right now is pull together all the different payments that are out there. There's, you know, for in, in Victoria right now, there's uh, up to $1,900 per household for fire-affected uh, communities. And on top of that, if you've lost, you had significant losses, there's the, state, the federal government payment of $1,000 per adult and 400 I think it is, per child. Uh, then on top of that, you're going to see the other, uh, you know, disaster. Uh, impl- uh, so if you lost income, you can receive 13 weeks of payment. So there's a whole range of different payment services, and it's a bit hard to navigate at the moment. So I'm trying to get my head around and pass on to my community the different aspect or different areas they can reach out for funding. And of course, on top of that, I know uh, the emergency relief fund that where uh, donations have been made have been paying out, I think it's four to five thousand dollars per household as well. So. It's intended to deal with those immediate sort of accommodation issues and things like that for people in the immediate aftermath. And then, look, I guess the question is that their own private insurance kicks in in terms of the rebuild. And and you're seeing and I'm hearing more and more about the amazing donations that people are making. That nationwide fund, I'm hoping uh, that'll be used to target the, the most impacted people as well. So I, 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 it's hard to say at this point if there's more money required right now but there's no question there's going to be more money required in the future, if that makes any sense. Indeed. That does. Thanks, Minister. We really appreciate it. And I tell you what, that border fire came from your side, so you can have it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I guess we've got to keep it a hit. One of the young blokes I met yesterday, a 13-year-old fellow going out to his farm with his mum and dad, said, well, at least you won't tell me to clean my room now because the house is being burnt. Well, we actually, Darren, had a, had a couple on. It was their wedding anniversary and they'd lost their home and they were volunteering still, like just incredible people. Yeah. And I said to him, oh, I'm I'm sure you got your wife a wonderful present. He said, yeah, it was massive. It was in the house and burned down, unfortunately. I can't give it to her. And I thought, you know what? You do have to have a laugh, don't you? Because well, what else do you have? I had I had a, I had a lovely old lady with you to have another cooter. And I said, I'll wait till I send you the bill. And she said, well, you can work on the inside service. You're going to make me pay for it. <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. I wasn't happy with the catering. No. Anyway. Oh, I love uh, it, Darren. People, thank people, you. People have, people have been remarkable. Thank you so they much. Have. Interest. We really, really appreciate it. it. That's the member for Gippsland, Darren Chester there. And interesting to see they, who knows, may look into those payments. I think if the minister's confused, then, well, not confused, but if the minister's still seeking more information, it's not that easy. How refreshing that you asked him a question that he wasn't prepared for. And he said, you know, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, good point. Looking at it, I, I love that response from our politicians as opposed to trying trying to flake over things and, and pretend and lie. That's just an honest response. And I know that he will go and look at it because that seems like the kind of bloke he is.